0: Hey, everybody. Do you want to experience the podcast in person, in real time? We have an opportunity if you are in the Portland metro area, we are connecting with the Just Create community and we are going to go see Armageddon Time when it comes out on November 4th. We're going to go see the movie and then we're going to go out to dinner and talk about it. It's going to be like the podcast. So if that's something that sounds fun for you, email me at christy at Dodge Media That email will be in the show notes and you will get more information and we'll find out when we're going and what time and what theater. So if you're interested, shoot me an email and we'll get you looped into what we're going to do. Thanks. Hello, everybody. We want to do a quick little straw poll. We're thinking of maybe doing for a special event, an in-person podcast taping. And we're wondering how many people in the Portland metro area would be interested in attending. This would be a free event and we would just record the podcast in front of a live audience. So you guys can see what it's like to, you know, kind of be behind the scenes. So let us know if you'd be interested so that we could get a venue that would be big enough to hold everybody. And we will put something like that together. So email me at Christy at Dodge Media dot com. That email will be in the show notes and just shoot me an email and say I'd be there.
1: Dodges never stop and neither do our listeners. You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts, so this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast. This is going to be an unusual podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Settle in because this is going to be like no other episode we've ever done. That's a great tagline I'm going to. I'm going to promote the episode with that to try to get more listeners. Right. Okay. I'm just going to give it to you straight. We pick the movies. Usually we have seen them. One of us has seen them. And well, so a, I, cu- I, a couple times, neither of us have seen them.
1: Right. In this case, I'd seen this movie. Yeah. A couple times, even before and, our viewing.
0: And like you pointed out, this movie is on the AFI's top 100. I mean, this is a well-known, well-liked movie
1: yeah pretty
0: noteworthy i think you could say yeah which is why we picked it so we settled in to watch it did started doing my research like i do and quickly discovered that the director brian singer has had numerous allegations of sexual assault made against him
1: the footnote here is I always get confused between <laughs> Brian Singer and Brian Grazer, so I apologize to Mr. Grazer if I've ever referenced the wrong thing. But I didn't know that he was the director of this film. Right. I knew Kevin Spacey was in it and I was aware of the allegations against mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey. And I was also aware that Stephen Baldwin can be a little cuckoo, but that's <laughs> a separate issue. But I I wasn't aware of this, and it was only during the research portion of this when we started talking about it, after we had actually watched the film and taken our notes and everything like we normally would, that that the topic came up, and it feels weird to say that there's some number of acceptable bad dudes to have in a a film, but it, it is interesting because, again, as I said, I knew that Kevin Spacey was in it, but I felt like it was noteworthy enough that the character of Kaiser Soze was something that was in kind of the the parlance of the film community, and the the reveal of of watching his feet is, in my opinion, really very unique and, and noteworthy. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot in the film as a thriller that I, that I thought was worth talking about, and as a podcast that talks about filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it it checked all those boxes. Yeah, there's a a, a lot of, of, of filmmaking mm-hmm. in there. And then as we started talking about it, I felt like the topic that was more interesting was whether or not a film should be still considered, still watched, still talked about when some of the actors, or in this case, director as well, had some very serious allegations against them. And that then kind of led into just an overall discussion about separating the art from the artist.
0: Yes. And we've had this discussion before. There have been other movies that we have talked about, or even just in general, in our own personal viewing, it's even extended out to other filmmakers. It's extended out to other musicians that maybe you liked their music, and then you find out something about them. And does that change the way that you feel about listening to their music in the future. And so really our whole conversation is we're not talking about what should happen outside of kind of, I guess, our purview and our podcast. We're just saying for us as people, do we feel comfortable watching these films and do we want to include them in the podcast? Is that fair to set that baseline? Because yeah, for like good. to kind of frame our conversation. Right. So we're not talking about should they be taken off streaming or should they be never allowed to be shown in. We're not talking about that. We're speaking specifically from our point of view as people, individuals, Mike and Christy, and the movies that we want to put on the podcast.
1: Right. To be clear, I come down on the side of free speech. And yeah. I believe that part of that is everything that someone has done as art should be up for consideration at all times. Mm -hmm. So someone maybe made a film like Birth of the Nation, Mm -hmm. which is not particularly in accordance with our current views, Mm -hmm. right? But that, to me, is not a reason that it shouldn't ever be watched again. There are some Looney Tunes episodes that are pretty heavily racist that they don't show anymore, and that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable because it's a slippery slope to me, right? So I think everything should be available, mm-hmm. but the question is whether we watch it we would watch it or we would talk about it or or what is the merit right is Is it possible that the film could outweigh this stigma, I guess you would say, of the people associated in making it,
0: right? And kind of right after we finished the movie, we had a discussion and and we kind of came to the conclusion, we keep having this discussion about, does the artist, can you separate the art from the artist? And you had the great idea, let's just turn on the mics and let everybody listen to this conversation instead of talking about the film. Right. Because I
1: think this is actually... It is part of the
0: filmmaking process. Yeah. of
1: the fact that it's art it's made by artists and they're associated. And to to look at the headlines, right? What about Rust? I don't know that I will ever see that film. I don't have any interest in seeing it. In part because I know what happened. Yes. And that to me is hard to get past. I can't set that to the side and that's why in our discussion I did mention The concept of that's why I don't want to know anything about the actors because there's the risk that there will be something in there that will affect it. And I brought up my own eccentricity, hypocrisy, whatever you want to call it. I don't like Tom Cruise because of his stance on mental health. Mm -hmm. I think that's ignorant and hurtful. And so I generally don't watch his films, even if they're free, because I don't like that. However... I was willing to watch this movie that had Kevin Spacey in it Mm -hmm. before I even knew the director was involved, who has done eh, pretty bad stuff too, as far as allegations go. And I recognize that's not necessarily fair. And I think for me, there was, it was an artistic merit decision. I wouldn't go back and watch American Beauty. Right. Or probably many other Kevin Spacey films. This film got an exception for me, I think, because I felt like... It was so noteworthy yeah. that much like Birth of a Nation that, okay, I'll, I'll I'll try to set aside that other part and just focus on the film because it's part of the visual language, the landscape of
0: filmmaking. Yeah. No. And I was, I was there with you because oh, I, I, we talked about it. I, uh, Kevin Spacey always kind of gave me the creeps. Like I didn't enjoy <laughs> American Beauty at all. I didn't understand what all the hubbub was about, what everybody was getting all excited about. and. I was willing to watch this because, and we talked about this too, so it it merits kind of coming up here. We are, we appreciate the craft of filmmaking and we appreciate, because we've gotten to know some of these people, the many different people that are on a film set. And we have a good friend who runs sound down in L.A. and he's done a handful of, of good sized movies, like well-known movies. And thinking of him, if he had participated in a film and it later comes out that somebody did something bad, should his work not get to be appreciated because one person did a bad thing? Now, I'm not at all defending a person like Kevin Spacey and and what he does, but I think that's where we get what's the word we that's where we get torn because we don't want to throw out the whole film because right somebody did something wrong um i mean although like you said personally i won't i don't want to see rust because i know that a mother was killed making that movie so i just don't personally want like when that scene comes up i'm gonna think of what happened
1: right and this is where i think that the real life to use the Internet slang from like 40 years ago, but that's not important right now. That's where real life impacts the the art that it doesn't exist in a vacuum. And the example that I brought up just a little bit before we started recording is Christian Bale's tirade. Mm hmm. And he didn't physically harm anyone. He didn't, you know, touch them inappropriately. It was not, as I recall, racist or homophobic or anything. He was just being a complete jerk. And he comes across as sounding very entitled and not, it's not a good look for him. And I, it really soured me, right? I don't know that I had a strong opinion one way or the other of his work, but now I can't see him and not think of that because I think of the people who are on set, the crew, and they're working hard and maybe a crew member made a mistake they could have been new we know that most productions including our own try to get free labor as much as possible because budgets are always tight and this could have been a person who is their first day and they're uh, you know a pa they're not making anything they're just trying to do whatever and so i think that unfortunately then kind of affects how i view all of his work and you brought up michael jackson in the world of music. I still think he has some really good songs, but I won't purposely listen to them anymore because I don't like that the, that brings that into the conversation. I don't want to think about the things he was accused of, mm-hmm. right? It's just too much. I mean, sure, maybe there were unpounded allegations, too much. I just don't even want to think about it. And as an artist, right, where is that line? Where do you draw that line? A big name star? Or do we hold Christian Bale accountable because we heard that? What if some teamster who's just a driver for the day had that kind of tirade? Would we not go see a film? I don't know. It is this weird kind of slippery slope. There's this gray area. Is the film good enough to kind of see past it, at least to see it so you could talk about it? Is it just completely buried. will never watch it again. That seems unfair to everyone else on the project, but it's a really difficult thing. And I I think it's very personal.
0: And we talked about, you kind of alluded to just now, if a crew member behave badly, it's not going to tank a film. Nobody, the people on that crew are going to know about it. And that person might not get as much work because in Hollywood it is, and, and in Portland, it's, it's, people relationships you work with somebody they're a good person you would give them your recommendation when somebody asks you so that's going to affect that person's work in that community but it's probably not going to tank a film and then where do you draw that line like you know a producer mm-hmm. uh, harvey weinstein there's a lot of films, you know, do we just now we don't watch anything Miramax? No, I'm still going to probably watch a lot of old Miramax stuff. Sure. there's But stuff. it definitely I know Kevin Smith felt horrible about profiting off of Miramax films because Harvey was such a big backer of Kevin Smith films. So he said from here on out. I mean, talk about putting your money where your mouth is. Any money he makes on any of his Miramax films is going straight to, I think, like it's called women in filmmaking or something, an organization. So where do we draw that line? Because generally Mm -hmm. right now, it's if it's the main star does something wrong, either their part gets recast and they do reshoots or I don't know if a film has been not uh, I feel like I, there's one that I'm not remembering that wasn't that just they just said, we're just never going to air this.
1: So recently I read that Matthew McConaughey pulled out of a film because the person it was based on supposedly a true story. Something came up in, in the background research and uh, Mateo was not comfortable being associated with that. And I respect his right to say that. Yeah. But then. Where, where, where is kind of the line because then you think okay Batgirl girl gets pulled because some accountant thinks that it'll actually help them more so all those people's work goes away right so is that any different than us saying oh well you know johnny depp and amber heard had this battle i just won't i won't watch either of the films anymore because they're both bad people that slapped each other around mm-hmm. or something like that just any of these things where do you Where you draw that line. And that's why I said I thought this film was fascinating because we didn't realize that the director had these allegations. Mm -hmm. So we thought going into it, "Mm, okay, you know, we got one one person to kind of deal with. Like, okay, I think we can live with Kevin Spacey in this film. And then we found this other. And I I really don't want it to sound like there's some sort of tally. Right. It's a pain contest. Like we have a certain amount of misdeeds. Then we don't. Totally. But you hadn't seen the film before. Yeah. So I could have been comfortable not watching it again ever if I th- thought of these various misdeeds because I'd already seen it. But you hadn't seen it. I thought oh, it would be good for you to and see And I had it.
0: heard about it all the time in film school. Like there were so many references. People would go mm-hmm. like, oh, and unusual Suspects. Like this is a highly referable film or f- referred, Yeah, talked about. Mm-hmm. And And so I felt like. You know, we talk about jokingly, you know, you you can't be a film nerd if you haven't seen Godfather or, you know, there's a handful of films like and I felt like as a good film nerd, I needed to see this. And so I was willing to overlook, like you said, we were willing to kind of overlook because when this film was made. When you saw this film the first time, right. you didn't know about none him. of that stuff. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't doing those things, but we right. had no consciousness of it. And now that right. we did have a consciousness, we were like, OK, but it kind of got an asterisk like we're going to listen to it anyway.
1: But then I started asking it. the question about how far do we take this? Right. Because famously, I'm pretty sure it was Kevin Hart got unhosted for the Oscars I think it was because of something he had tweeted years ago somebody ran across and dragged it up and then that was it he was out so Orson Welles Maybe he wasn't the nicest guy. Right. What if we find out that he kicked his puppy when he was a child? Do we hold that against him? Where is that? I don't know. It's a comfort level. So one of the other things that we brought up is I've never been a huge fan of Woody Allen films, Mm -hmm. but Annie Hall is widely considered a very good film. One of the best rom-coms of all time. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I haven't seen it and I won't because I don't like what has happened in his personal life Mm -hmm. that makes me feel very uncomfortable i take a pretty strong stand against that behavior Mm -hmm. so i just am not going to do it that's my own personal judgment but do i have kind of the right to say no one can see it of course not yeah right i think it should still be available and it may still be in the zeitgeist and i just have to live without that i have Mm -hmm. to figure it out So how do we draw that line? How do we what level of research are are you expected to do
0: before you see a film? Right. No, it definitely as the person who kind of, you know, we were planning 2023 and I definitely had a thought of maybe I need to do a deep dive. And what if we pick those films and then it comes out that one of those people did something bad?
1: We need to talk to the folks at Kids in Mind. And have them add that to their assessment of every film. <laughs> yes. what's, what's, what's the, the legalities what's of- What's the
0: pedometer yeah, of this film?
1: Right. Well, I also am not a big fan of of slapping people around and the chokings and the stuff of this nature, which unfortunately went on. And we've talked about this, I think, at least personally, I don't know if on the podcast, how in the old days it was perfectly reasonable to, if you had a scene where a child had to fall out of a train, you just threw the kid out the window. Right. And you hope for the best.
0: Yeah. There's I did do a little bit of research because I was curious, kind of the history of of Hollywood scandals. And honestly, I bet you there were more. Well, gosh, I hate to have a ranking, but (laughs) (laughs) there was there was a studio executive that was a well-known fixer named Eddie Mannix. And he possibly was involved in the death of George Reeves. Some like. Right. There's speculation that he, George Reeves played Superman. Right, in, in the TV long show. Time, yeah, a long time ago. And Mannix, I think George was having an affair with Mannix's wife. Oops. And when he found out, he had friends in the mob and later George Reeves is found dead and it was ruled a suicide. And so there was lots of rumors around all of this. He fell on a the kitchen knife 12 <laughs> times. Right. And so there, I mean, Hollywood scandals have gone back even before the most famous one is 1921 Fatty Arbuckle, Roscoe Arbuckle. It was accused of raping and killing a girl. And it later came out that, no, he was acquitted. He didn't do it. Oh, well, I, there's others. Natalie Wood. Right. But I mean, I was trying to see like how far back. But oh, there, right. were, there were some even before that. Oh,
1: I'm sure as long as there are. The studio system <laughs> there, there were people up to shenanigans much of which we would not be particularly happy to know about and that's kind of my thing is all throughout history yeah. right uh, i i encourage all of you to look with very deep cynicism at all of your politicians throughout <laughs> all time because they're all like this but when you put a person in a position of power yeah and in particular right what i think makes filmmaking difficult Is there are so many people who want the few number of jobs they have, Mm -hmm. and this is an excuse, but the reality is with actors particularly, we select for good-looking people. Right. And I think that tends to exacerbate certain passions of the human nature, Mm -hmm. and you put a person... In a position of power around a lot of young people who'll do anything to get ahead, the math is right there. This is rife with it. I have to assume that some of my favorite films from the past had some pretty shady behavior that went on by some of the people involved. And we've heard of some leading men were not very nice to their co-stars and of course studio producers are known for this kind of behavior do we not support kind of that kind of art because of this this can happen i don't know are rock stars good with the groupies Are label record label producers and and executives are they good to the musicians i don't know but when do you draw that line of saying well i because the artist suffered through this trauma to make this art do we not appreciate it And then I think, for example, what if it's kind of self-inflicted and I'm referring to Metallica's black album in the documentary, there's a lot of tension in the band, just Mm -hmm. between the band members. The producer was fine. It was the band members. So as a human, I feel bad for them to have gone through that angst and that fighting and that tension, but the album was their best. So I don't necessarily believe you need to have mental illness or trauma to make good art. But do you throw the art out? Because there was trauma involved. Right.
0: Right. Well, just look at, I mean, as I was doing research, there were a ton, and I can't even begin to list them all, of celebrities whose lives were deeply impacted and their art by drug abuse. And, you know, some of it maybe we didn't know at the time. Judy Garland, I'll say. Right. Because I think at the time that, you know, that wasn't widely well, you know, well known. But now can I, I actually... I think I can watch Wizard of Oz without thinking <laughs> of poor Judy later in life. Right. But it probably does kind of come up when you think about her life in total and her family and what she went through. Oh, we talked about in White
1: Christmas. I think her name is Vera the, the Oh the, the sister. Yeah. Her, her anorexia. Right. Which was I, I think a part of, of being in the studio system, but we saw it on screen and we had a
0: concern. I think every year we watch it. We still watch it because it's right. so much a part of our Christmas tradition. But I think every single year you go, man, that girl needs a sandwich. Yeah. I mean, it's just painful to look at her and to know that she there is some deep pain beyond, behind right. that appearance.
1: Yes. And with all of this art do you factor that in or not or how do you that to me was the part that was interesting and i hope the listeners enjoy this discussion and maybe it's thought provoking and right. certainly feel free to contact us just call the number or send us an email or whatever with your opinions but what is our obligation as the consumers of the art do we have a, an obligation to boycott something so the, the example is rust to my knowledge, the incident on set was an accident of negligence. I think people are still culpable, but I don't believe it was malicious. The incident with uh, the, the poor woman on the train tracks a number oh, of years uh-huh. ago in the Greg Allman biopic, that was negligence and perhaps one might say incompetence, but it was not malice. But let us say that we knew that on a film, someone was actively mean or evil to another person, are, do we have an obligation to say, no, we're not going to see that at all. We're going to shun them. Right. I don't know. It
0: seems an interesting conversation topic. What is that? When you mentioned the, the woman on the railroad tracks, what's the movie with the helicopter where people died? That
1: was, I think, Twilight Zone, right? Vic Morrow? S-
0: so... Wasn't that a case of somebody being negligent?
1: I believe, yes, it was negligence with uh, where they put the, the the special effects charges and stuff. If I and recall so correctly.
0: I, I probably would still watch the, that movie. Even I have. Knowing... I did see it after I knew what had happened. I, I did watch it. And so does it kind of make you pause? Like, oh, this, yeah. Like, especially when you get to that scene with the helicopter and the kids. Right. And you're like, oh, crap. Somebody died right here. Yeah.
1: That I, I don't think I would now because it'd be too hard to get past it. But when I was younger, I think, you know, your, your you approach. Knew. Yeah, because it was in the, it was in the news. It, right. it came out before the film came out, I believe, that there was this tragic accident. Right. And did we have a different perspective with stunts? I look at, at motor racing where 40, 50 years ago, we still expected people to die. Mm-hmm. And now we don't now it's a huge deal if someone does Mm -hmm. but there is a time in the 60s where i think every year somebody in formula one died Mm -hmm. it was just that dangerous and was that a you know again 40 years ago when the twilight zone movie was made were we more cavalier as a society toward the risks of filmmaking and i think it's better now that we have a zero deaths policy is expected on films but then i think of okay other parts of the world that maybe have a different culture. And so, for example, Hong Kong martial arts films, they use a lot more physical contact to make the fight scenes look real. Everybody knows this going in, but... Then, as a person, do I have an obligation to not support that, knowing that they're really going to hit that guy?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, what is the audience's culpability in what is going on, if right. if you know about it beforehand? Okay, so I'm
1: going to take this to kind of maybe an absurd extreme, but Last Tango in Paris. The actress who had that scene with Marlon Brando says it was not consensual. So should i
0: is that the one where the director told him to go a little bit too far i
1: think that was the story or at least maybe that's his excuse but mm, that's really tough because
0: not only is that a violation but it's recorded on film and now we're watching it if right how can we we are two tender-hearted people i guess that have trouble once you know a thing right oh to consume that now I, i
1: might sound like an idiot here But I have a hard time watching old timey Westerns now that I know that they
0: actually did break the horse's legs on those. I always hated watching Westerns with the horses when they would go down because I would just, as a little kid, I would go, how are the horses not getting hurt? I never, I hated watching them. The answer
1: is they did get hurt and then they killed them. And it really bumps me that once I learned that I had a hard time. I loved those old timey Westerns, Yeah. but leave the horses alone and the dogs. Don't ever mess with a dog or I'm done. Yeah. But that's, uh, you know, that's a weird thing to say that we have to have some sort of, you know, like the ASPCA at the end of the film says no animals are harmed. (laughs) Do We need to have somebody else who vets the production process to say the individuals involved in here are decent human beings. I mean, it'd be nice if that was a given. But as I talked about, I think there are some factors at play, at least in filmmaking, that let's bad dudes get away with stuff sometimes. right and we're
0: not necessarily talking about this but as you were talking about some governing body i started to think but taken to its its crazy con, you sure, know extreme extreme what about uh all the actors who dramatically lose a ton of weight they're harming themselves so right. now we can't put that on the end of the film because tom hanks matt damon christian right. bale they all harmed their bodies permanently for the sake of the art now I think if you ask them, they are all three of those guys would say they did it willingly. Right. An actress or an actor who is playing a serial killer—I mean, like Charlize Theron—she had to get in the mind of that crazy woman, Arlene. Right. I can't remember her name. So and so, she has to have had at least in that moment that she was playing that part, have some psychological, right. you know, trauma. Maybe. Okay. Movie we've talked about
1: on on this podcast french connection the director smacked gene hackman in the face right that is an assault yeah and do i not watch
0: french connection because of it no and i'll be honest i can partially because gene kind of i think he said well i don't think he was happy he did it but he's okay now yeah right and, and it, its I would expect, although Mr.
1: Hackman is a bit older now, but he would probably say, if you did it again, I'd punch you back kind of thing. Yeah,
0: I think he would.
1: Um, so it, it felt like that was more in the c- category of, oh, I can't believe the things we did in, in, in the 70s to make films. But that's why I said this is, to me, was such a fascinating topic because it's mm-hmm. so nuanced. There's it's so many so different nuanced. parts of it. And you mentioned governing body. And so then I was thinking, of course, SAG. And I was having right. a conversation just yesterday with... a. Uh, a friend, hopefully he's listening to this podcast, about unions. And I said, I am generally not the biggest fan of unions because I grew up with people who had to join the unions and had stories of graft and corruption and laziness and all those. I never heard a good story out of my family of origin about unions. However, as I told my friend with SAG, I totally get why they exist because there is this thousand people want one part that leverage it makes it trivially easy to abuse
0: actors mm-hmm. and i'm sure well, and a, i think the crew like I- Ayazi, and right and the different exactly Sa- same leverage yeah just different
1: people so i i get it i'm sure there are a ton of horror stories of you know i wanted to do the thing and the union rep wouldn't let me and all of that but this is a case where i see the i see how they would need to come into play But I don't think SAG is necessarily the the person that does that. Is that the DGA or the PGA? Are there industry groups that could say, we're going to police ourselves? So I'm thinking, speaking of police, like the Internal Affairs Division, should there be, instead of the Dopey Ratings Board that says it's PG-13, should we as an industry have an internal watchdog group that says, we're going to rat out these people first Mm -hmm. before, before the Inquirer gets a hold of this or TMZ, we are going to find them and hold them accountable. I don't know. But that, that to me is, is the thing that would make me feel better. Just like I, I like the thought that I have when I see that the ASPCA said no animals were harmed. Even though I know there are cases where that's not maybe living up to the standard that I would like, but it makes me feel better. And kind of the same thing. Do you know, would that be nice at the end of the film that they had in addition to maybe the, you know, IATC stamp or whatever that is like, look, we made sure that nobody abused the cast or crew.
0: I don't know. Well, I know that a recent with the Me Too movement. So probably like end of 2017, beginning of 2018, there were oh shoot. Now I forget the name of them. Were they like relationship coordinators. Or? Oh, yeah. Intimacy coordinators. Intimacy coordinator. That's what it is. And so, the, but that's just dealing with kind of those intimate moments that are being captured on film. We're not really, that's not looking at how is this gaffer being treated right. on set or how is this sound, you know, is the mic person, is the sound recordist being respectful to all cast members? Not just, you know, the A players, but when they mic up, you know, right the I was thinking if you look at
1: professional sports, both pro football and international level rugby, they have an impartial doctor on site to assess head injuries because they know that they can't trust the teams to police themselves. Because the incentive for sending a player back out there while injured is too high. It just isn't going to happen. No team's going to say, oh, no, no, Tim, sit down. You're, you, need, you need to come on. Is it a similar thing? Do we need an objective, impartial third party who monitors and basically audits this, right? And mm-hmm. I know the movie studios hate auditors of the financial kind. But is that is that one way to help address this? So that the viewer can feel safe. Mm-hmm. And some people would say, okay, well, now you're restricting art. Well, sure. But you don't have to do that if you, you know, you can be an independent filmmaker mm-hmm. and you can do whatever you want. Just like a, I can make a film and it's not a SAG film. Right. Right. But if it's going to be a SAG film, if it's going to be a hundred million dollar Marvel movie,
0: mm-hmm. maybe we, maybe
1: that's part of it, right? Is that they should have an auditing company that comes in and says, we've made sure that you all are not up to anything you shouldn't be.
0: And I do. I feel like I've heard some rumblings in that, like when I've listened to different, like right after the, the Me Too movement and a lot of the actresses were putting together. There was the Time's Up group, too, that they were kind of trying to call out, you know, or ha- tried. They were trying to come up with some sort of, I thought, a reporting program kind of where people... If they felt they had been harmed on set, that they could report it and it would be investigated. I don't know.
1: But it's interesting because when you you brought up the Me Too movement, that a lot of those actresses and, and you know, actors, too. We talked about Terry Crews and, mm-hmm. and uh, Brendan Fraser. Everyone knew, like, in town. Yes. Oh, yeah. So and yes. so. Don't, don't go to his hotel room yes. or don't take this meeting. So to me, that's that's where I say... The industry needs to to self-report on those. We, you need to get those out. But I think it's the same math that worked before because those individuals are in a position of power. And so each person who may say yes or no is now facing, well, this person could greenlight my film or I could say, hey, that guy's a scumbag. I'm not going to work with him. Mm-hmm. But then my film never gets made.
0: Right. Or I don't get that part. No, I don't think get that part. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that came out of the Times Up movement. It was, it was like, hey, let's stop having meetings in hotel rooms. Like, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and a couple of actresses, or you know, said, I get it. It's convenient. You happen to be in New York. I happen to be in New York. Let's go meet. You don't want. To be out at a restaurant like so I don't know we need more like right I have co-working places so that you can have a meeting in a conference room in a public area. I have
1: taken an interview in someone's hotel room and I thought it was noteworthy odd and I very much was aware that I'm now basically I've gone to the second location. Right. (laughs) And look, I was like 23. I probably could have, you know, kicked the crap out of the guy. That wasn't necessarily the biggest concern, but I was aware of it. Mm -hmm. Right. That does seem a little bit odd. And when we talk about in other parts where you have, let's say you're going to fire an employee at your business, you have someone else there as a witness so that it's not he said, she said kind of thing. Mm Right. So there's a lot of these things which seem obvious in retrospect but ultimately do you you know throw the baby out of the bathwater? Right. Because the industry has problems and has a long history which like I said if we could go back in time with the mobile phone cameras That we have today. I think we'd be shocked at some of the things that went on. Absolutely. In and around the films that we love.
0: Right. And so just one last thing that we talked about this weekend that I feel like bears, this is a good place to bring it up. And something that my film student friends and I butted up against a ton of times. We started out this conversation today by saying, separate the art from the artist. And filmmaking is in this weird, it's straddling two main, I don't know, entities, because yes, it is art, but it's also called show business. And so, one of the things that we talked about is that you can have a film that a corporation, a studio, has put up money, they've created a product, the film, and If there's something wrong with it, now they have meaning like somebody was caught misbehaving badly. They have to decide, are we just going to scrap this entire product or do we try to recast, reshoot, digitally alter so that we can put this film out so that we can recoup some of our investment? And as artists... A lot of us hated, you know, when our professors would remind us it's show business. This is a business. Ultimately, like nobody gives a crap about your art. Right. (laughs) And none of us wanted to hear that. (laughs) It's about butts in seats. Yeah.
1: The example I gave when this topic came up was Mel Gibson. Right. So he said some mean things to some lady cop when he was drunk. and And also an entire race. Well, and I was going to bring up. (laughs) Oh, sorry. He's notoriously anti Semitic. Yes. That is a problem for me. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. I like the Jews. I don't like people who hate the Jews. Jews. So that's a problem for me. But the studio puts out a movie with him and that beaver or whatever it was. He came back somehow. I don't know how. And the reason is because. It was financially Somebody
0: put up the money and found it financially viable. And and they were proven right, I think.
1: I'm going to give an anecdote, but I'm not implying that Ben Affleck is anti-Semitic. But Ben said in an award, he was accepting that he was told in Hollywood, you have to get over it because you're going to have to work with that jerk again later. And he found it to be true. Wow. So that is the nature of that business, at least right now, the world we live in right now is that you have to make those those calls. And that's probably the part of being a studio executive that is both not fun and selects for people with strange morals.
0: Yes, but I think you're right. That's a good point to
1: bring up the business of show, yeah, is that in certain cases, if there's enough money in it, yeah, some producer's going to greenlight that project. Right, yeah. And it is incumbent on me as a viewer to not go. To choose whether or not you want to go. Yep. Right. And so I have two choices. I have my dollar choice. Yep. And I also have the watching it streaming, which is also kind of paying for it, but in a much more indirect way. But just in general, even if it was free from the library, do I not, not, do I shun that that art because I don't like it? And I right. will say there are some things that I absolutely will never watch. Mm-hmm. So even if somebody paid me to watch it, right. right? But it is a business. Yep. yep.
0: Okay. So I guess ultimately we both feel that it's up to in each individual person to decide. Yep. And that's why I just wanted to frame this conversation. These were our opinions. The opinions expressed on this podcast <laughs> are that of us and us only and, and, and not, dodge <laughs> not dodge media productions not dodge media productions for the state of oregon or right. anybody this is just mike and christy trying to you know get through this confusing
1: okay now there may be a listener who actually thought this is like an interesting topic and if you would like to continue further <laughs> please reach out i'm happy to continue right
0: talking. and so we're gonna next week we're gonna go back to our old format And we're going to be talking about bromance movies in the month of November. But we just felt that maybe let's just give the audience what happens, you know, uh, sectional as we debate kind of friendly debate these kind of topics and so let us know what you think. Give us a call. Nine seven one two four five four one four eight. Leave us a message. Let me know. Did Is this kind of a episode nice once in a while? Are you annoyed and get back to talking about the movies you two? <laughs> Whatever it is, let us know what you think. And you can weigh in on this topic, too. How do you decide what films to watch and not watch? And does the actor, producer, studio, it, does their behavior affect your watching interests? So also you could shoot me an email at Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-I at DodgeMediaProductions.com. That email will be in the show notes. And I'll just say that we, <laughs> I haven't done a ton of research, so I think we're talking about tag next weekend. <laughs> I'm sincerely hoping Ed Helms I, has no skeletons in his closet. I really hope he's just a Boy Scout at heart. <laughs> Banjo playing boy scout. <laughs> Let us know what you thought of this episode and if you have any feedback from about the podcast. Uh, but never forget,
1: dodges never stop, and neither do the movies. Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christy and Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do,
0: go to DodgeMediaProductions.com. dot Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop
1: and neither do the movies.